Hey everybody and welcome back to the Skullcast, the premier podcast about Berserk from the community at Skullknight.net. I am your eternal host, Walter, and joining me today for episode 135 are uh, Zeal. Hey. Grail. Hello. And Gabolatula. Ahoy hoy. That is still fun to say. <laughs> uh, you've, had, you've been on this podcast, by the way, since 2012. That's when you first joined a guest spot. Hey, yeah, you're right. Oh my goodness. It's still fun to say. I just want to say the, the bounce of it, the cadence of saying it, good stuff. We are ultimately here to talk about episode 370, but first some news. Until, I guess around now, Japan's borders has been, have been closed, so you've not been able to, we've not, international fans have not been able to get in there. Uh, Japan's borders recently reopened, which is fucking awesome, but the exhibition closed on the 4th of this month. So, you know, we can, we can change from us being able to get in the country and see the exhibition. So that's a bummer. But even though the Ginza wing of the exhibition has ended, they've already said they will have additional dates to be announced for the next wing of the exhibition soon. And given the timing of everything, I think it's very possible we could be looking at November, December-ish, but we don't mm. know for sure. But that would be great. My plane ticket is already purchased. I'm ready. And particularly, just a little nudge here, guys. The yen is very weak against the dollar right now. So you can get a lot for your money. Uh, <laughs> it's histor- at a historic low right now. So spend, spend, spend while you can. Uh, so that's something to look forward to for all Berserk fans. If you're interested, it'd probably be a grand or two to do the whole thing, I would bet. We'll have more specifics once that's announced. Again, I'm, I'm expecting... There's also the Berserk Cafe that is now open. That's right, the Berserk Cafe. You can get your branded pastrami sandwich. Yeah. That's right. There's various Berserk-themed mm. items for sale, and you also get some prizes, I guess you can call them, for buying certain levels of food. Is that what it is? Yeah, Griffith it... chicken wings? There are chicken wings uh, to evoke the... No, they're not chicken wings. I think they're uh, like shrimp. Are they shrimp? They look like chicken wings, man. Uh, I could have sworn I saw like a young Griffith... It is. It's, it's evoking the corpse pile from volume 12. In the Which always makes me hungry. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> it does. Uh, you make, you're making me look at the menu now. It looks like chicken wings. Like it's like It looks like the bad end of chicken it's wings. It's crab wings. Crab wings? Yeah. I didn't know crabs had wings. I, didn't. I mean, they, yeah. <laughs> they're not very good flyers. No, it's not crab wings, but it's uh, like crab uh, legs or whatever. Okay. It's, uh, it's seafood. It's seafood. It's in Japan. It's seafood. Believe me. That makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, it's fried, something fried, and yeah. Even if they are tasty, it's the most tasteless thing on the menu. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Zing. Yeah. There's a lot of tongue-in-cheek stuff on the menu. That's the most tongue-in-cheek mm. item on the menu that I can recall. I'm more interested in the choco, nuts, banana, crepe uh, with monkey sidro. There you go. <laughs> Which is a crepe, French food stuff. Yeah, yeah, sure. We've talked about crap before on the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear the, the difference in your voice. I can hear it, too. Now that I'm listening for it, I can hear it. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. To be honest, I had more fun in the chat talking with people about, like, joke food ideas for Berserk than I did looking at the actual menu, which was a little disappointing. Like, it didn't really go for it in the way I kind of hoped. Yeah, and it's funny because the, there's a menu. So there was a, a collaboration menu with a shop in the Matsuya Ginza uh, for the, the last exhibition. 
like the rewards and stuff they have were not as good, obviously, but the food was like the food, the stupid food jokes ideas they had were actually not so bad and hmm. and even better than the ones they have at the official Hakusensha one. So it's kind of disappointing. They also don't have booze at this one, which is, uh, I mean, what's the point? Missed opportunity. Yeah, I want to drink the Geyseric Black. I forgot. It's like Coca-Cola and tequila or something like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. <laughs> they had Coke back then. That's pretty impressive. Man, I'm always impressed when I look at the ancient world. They had such innovations. <laughs> Geyseric invented Coke, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Anyway, the Berserk Cafe thing, what's actually interesting there is they've got, they're selling some painting reproductions, which are right. not actually like the exhibition, and some of them are pretty rare, including a wild one, uh, there's one of Puck in, with the Beherit uh, that's also not been in an art book or anything, or maybe the original one, illustrations file. Anyway, so some pretty cool stuff available as reproductions. Of course, pretty expensive. It's like 150 bucks uh, yeah. a piece. And only available if you go there, so basically unavailable to us. They've got all these cool illustrations uh, that are sold as high-quality painting reproductions. So you've also got the Skull Knight, uh, Gareth Griffith, so, some pretty less common uh, illustrations, and it's mm-hmm. too bad that we can't get them. And it reminds me, I don't have a list of them in front of me right now, but I did think it was interesting that they keep adding merch. So it's not like we've seen all the merch that's, uh, sorry, at the exhibition itself. Uh, yeah. Towards the end of that, Ginza, they were still adding things. Uh, and you can see on the social media, sorry, on the Twitter feed, uh, what they were adding. It was just surprising that there's still more to come apparently, from the merch. Uh, yeah, it's because uh, they partner with shops, right? Mm-hmm. So there's also, like, some items are not available anymore, which is also a bummer because you're like, right. oh, okay, I'm going to wait to go get this, and now you can't get it anymore. So, of course, it's not necessarily the stuff you really wanted, but, for example, if you want a, a gut tie, a necktie, yeah. uh, well, it's not available anymore. So, damn it. Uh but yeah, they keep adding stuff, and some other shops, I guess, once the uh, stock uh, is over, they, they don't renew it. So yeah, but the what matters, which is Mira's artwork, that kind of stuff is done by Hakusensha, so it's always available. Fortunately, the catalog slash art book—that's yeah. the one that matters to me, anyway. Well, even yeah. the honestly, even the like the artwork reproductions. Uh, I I'd even say, I mean, the catalog is nice. But the actual uh, two-page spread reproductions, uh, the oh know, the those, paintings. yeah, those are very cool too. Yeah, I mean these these are really really nice. If you want to decorate your house with basic stuff, you buy these. You buy some cheap frames, and uh, there's 17 of these. They're sold for like with the current uh, dollar to yen ratio. It's not even 10 bucks a pop. I mean it's super cheap. So yeah, it's, I would uh, definitely pick some of those up uh, if we got there in person. Another piece of news is that the Berserk Trilogy movies are uh, being aired right now. The Berserk (laughs) Memorial Edition from 2012. They basically took the trilogy and they cut them all up into little little individual episodes. And they're airing now through December-ish. Yeah. And I think they just finished enough material for for the first movie to be done at this point. That's right. And uh, they are adding some things like face wrinkles and some... (laughs) A new scene, at least, Bonfire of Dreams, yeah. will be in there, which is cool. cool, cool. They're they're doing that. I guess it's cool. Yeah, it's it's it'll be better for it. That's for sure. 
Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, so if, yeah, you've you've seen it. I have, I have not bothered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've watched it. It's on Crunchyroll, uh, so I took a subscription for that for a month. Uh, it's it's like the the stuff they are adding. It's uh, indistinguishable if you're not comparing the two like frame by frame. You can notice it if you're really paying attention. You know what to look for. But otherwise, like if you haven't seen the movies for a year and you just watch it, you won't notice. Even if you haven't seen them for a week, you won't notice the difference. It's really slight. It's really very, very small additions. They're also cutting up uh, content, cutting scenes short in order to make it fit into the... Oh, that's so weird. It's a time slot they have. And, and the second... So three episodes have aired so far and they finished the, the first movie. So in, in total, they cut about three minutes and 15 seconds of content so far. So I thought that the memorial editions were about adding stuff to the movies, not yeah, taking them out. Yeah, that's the joke, is that they're actually taking out more... Probably They'll probably take out more stuff than they're, they're adding. Hmm. So that's the joke. And and because, you know, the there, there were a bunch of interviews where the chief of uh, Studio 4C, which did the original trilogy, explains that she wasn't very favorable to making a TV series out of it because that idea came up came up like a few years after the movies were out they were like okay let's let's make a TV series we can recut them she wasn't favorable because she said these were made as movies and they are not made to be cut up whatever so obviously those movies are terrible by the way real shit uh really not faithful to Hot the take. story yeah i mean it's <laughs> a blue and, and anyway they decided to do it 10 years later. Uh, and yeah, you take the second episode, for example, because they didn't have enough content. It is, they still cut some stuff from it, but they put like a six minute long, uh, basically an AMV in it. It's just... Right, like, that's so weird. Yeah, it's just a trailer that shows basically the entire series, even the end, Femto, Gods and the Skull Knight. To be clear, that little anime music video effectively does not exist in episode one. Or three, just episode two. Yeah, they just added it to basically have enough time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to, yeah, because so the episode is very short in comparison to the other two. Uh, and the next one, episode four, will have the bonfire of dreams scenes uh, added. It's probably going to be just like a minute, 30, two minutes. I've got to say, man, you seem more invested in this TV recut than you did when we did the movie reviews. Yeah, I, I don't know why. I was just, uh, I don't know. I was interested to see how it modified, basically. But yeah. uh, it's almost nothing. And they will be cutting at least five minutes more of content in <laughs> the other two movies. So, yeah, whatever. Uh, I mean, next up for the Memorial Edition 2026, they'll turn the 2016 anime into movies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Release those in theaters. They might. Don't, don't be... <laughs> Yeah. Don't jinx it, the might. I can't wait. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And by the way, there's a, also a, a countdown on the website yep. for the the Memorial Edition that's counting down to December. We don't know what it's counting down to. It's berserk-me.com if you wanted to see it. Uh, it has a picture of the Behirat, uh untransformed. I'm assuming it's going to be transformed by the end. It's a little, oh, I see what's happening. Kind of thing. Uh, no one knows what it will be, but it is timed to the what seems like the end of this memorial edition airing, and the release of episode three hundred and seventy-one. So you know, a kind of a what's the word? Conflation of events happening at that mm. time. I'm guessing the next uh, exhibition will also probably be 
starting around that time. Oh, that would make sense too. Yeah. Yeah. They like to do this kind of stuff in Japan. Yep. I don't personally expect anything dramatic from that countdown. Just to remind you guys, I want to say volume 39 for for volume 40. They had that actor slash comedian dressed up like Guts. Remember that? Oh, gosh. I completely forgot. There was a little tease about that, too. Like, oh, what's it going to be? What's the big project going to be? And it's (laughs) going to be a commercial with this old guy, which was funny, but not worth the hype. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, they do do little collaborations regularly. Mm -hmm. Well, that is it for news. Uh, We're on to the main event, which is episode 370, which is titled Refugees on the Western Sea. It starts with Guts being hauled aboard the seahorse like it's the climax of an episode of My 600-Pound Life. (laughs) The human survivors are inside and huddled in the hold of the seahorse, all in grief. Serpico finds Shirke and Farnese, their spirits downcast. Then Mulder requests Farnese's help in healing the wounded. She also says that Guts was brought on board, but that he seemed traumatized, and because of the armor, he could be dangerous. Shirke rushes off to find him, passing Isidro, who's by himself still in shock from the events. Meanwhile, Roderick is banging on the door to the cargo hold where Guts is with the barrels. The barrels are there. (laughs) He tells the crew that Guts is a special case and he shouldn't be left alone. Inside, Guts is stricken by the sight of the dragon slayer and he falls back, thinking of how he had trusted his his sword his whole life. That's the end of the episode. We got a pretty nice color page to start it off. It's independent of the events of the episode. It has Denon, Isma, uh, the elves, and some brownies at the bottom. And Sidro sparring with those uh, Vikings in the background. Uh, so sure it's pretty did. cute. Yeah. I liked it. Me yeah. too. Pastel type colors, I want to say. A little more vibrant than pastel, whatever that word is. Almost neon colors. Mm. Yeah. In a way, they're doing their own style that's not as much an imitation of Miura's. And so that's nice. If if I had to compare it to anything, it kind of reminded me of the painting he did with Eva Lira and the seashell. Um, Mm. I I don't know, volume 29-ish or 28-ish. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I do think it uh, is still very much trying to emulate Miura's style. But uh, yeah. I also thought it was nice, much better than the one with Gus, mm-hmm. which unfortunately will probably end up being the cover for the volume. For 42, I would think so. Yeah. yeah. I, I kept on thinking of that poster uh, in volume 41 of Skull Knight and uh, Danon together and how wonky that looked. And this felt like a, a way better <laughs> yeah. interpretation of things. So this episode, there's a lot of questions I still have. I think we all have the same questions, but just to kick things off, we knew that in episode 369, the action had settled. So the island had sunk. Many creatures disappeared at the end. Uh, Femto and Zod and Casca have flown off. So all the action is over. The dust is settling. In this episode, I kind of expected some answers and some explanations in general about, so what happened? What was the context of that? all that stuff happening? What were the Nawars? Uh, why was the island special? Why did the elves disappear? But we didn't get any of, any of that. Not even close, really. So in addition to not an explanation, there's no acknowledgement of what happened. There's no acknowledgement that Casca was taken. Uh, there's no acknowledgement that the elves disappeared. Uh, Puck and Evalir are still there. No explanation for that. There's also this ongoing problem of, because they're not explaining these things, There's a confusion with the reader's perception and the reader's awareness level and what characters are aware of. For example, does does Roderick know what happened with Guts? Is that why he's so 
scared of Gut's condition? And is Farnese aware that Casca was taken? Because is that why she's so sad about it's her fault? Or what is it exactly? You know, like these things weren't established. It wasn't clear in the way things were drawn that Farnese saw exactly what happened to the elves or Casca. And thus it would be, oh, that's why she's sad. It's actually not clear at all why that happened. So a lot of lingering questions, a lot of things that are skipped over. And it, it kind of just damages the overall story they're trying to tell when all these questions get in the way of feeling these scenes, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What's the answer? Why is Farnese sad, guys? I think it's implied that uh, she knows Casca was taken and she couldn't do anything about it. I think that's why she's, she's so sad. I mean, yeah. she did try to stand in the way of Griffith and then she was edited out of the of the page. And so she yeah. she couldn't f- fight him. She couldn't do anything. Of course, that struggle or that conflict never really happened. No such thing happens. It's not yeah. like she tried and failed such that she would have this reaction. There was just no action. She just didn't do anything. Right. I feel like we as the reader are, are having to flex this new muscle that we haven't had to flex f- before, which is now like this instance of, okay, I don't have this information, but if I did, how would it feel? Mm-hmm. Right. What I'm worried about is that, I mean, I can understand. I know what's going on. I mean, we know, we all know what's going on. We know they didn't show it because they didn't know who it would go. So they chose to just not, not depict it. And now they are showing this and they're assuming us, they are what's say asking us to assume that yeah, it happened and this and that. So I feel like it invites a lot of confusion, like you said, Walter, and I don't think it's going to get better. So we just had Griffith join. Thanks for joining us, man. Uh, Griff, what did you think of this episode? I and mean, just to be clear, we were just talking about how there's a lot, there's a bunch of lingering questions still that don't seem like they're going to be answered. So that's where we left things. Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, I mean, I guess I'm at the, or maybe I've been there all along, like at the acceptance phase. <laughs> so I've mm. sort of, you know, I've given up on, uh, getting those answers. I mean, not given up. That sounds sad. Uh, but I guess I'm just appreciating like, uh, what I said about it in the, uh, the thread that there was actually like if you can only kind of have one facet of the old berserk in any particular episode or if they can only focus on one thing at a time it was happy to see you know the characters expressing you know emotions and you know have dialogue in this episode even if uh, as as uh, as pointed out in the thread before they weren't all reacting sort of normally it wasn't necessarily consistent with the characters but i mean at least uh there was something happening there instead of it being, you know, completely absent. That was kind of my big takeaway from this episode rather than Mm. any of the like narrative nuts and bolts of like, you know, what just happened? Why are they reacting this way? They're all on the boat already. You know, we kind of skipped any sort of transition other than like we see them, you know, carrying guts on in a panel. But, uh, yeah, that was kind of my main takeaway. Yeah, you'd said that last episode. They'll just, it'll cut to have all on the ship together. And I went like this, is what I'd said right. to that last episode. And that's what exactly what happened on the first page. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was strange. Like, Guts just, I guess, passed out or <laughs> something. He got real sad, guys. They pressed to move. <laughs> five, yeah, it's like five men carrying him on. Like, okay. I don't want to be around anymore. 
<laughs> he's uh, he's actually shitting himself in the picture. Oh. <laughs> oh. Well, I mean, yeah, I didn't mean to take it here, but <laughs> this is where we are. I mean, I, I guess I didn't do it. It's not my fault. We shouldn't blame ourselves for our reactions to the preserved continuation. It's not our fault. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're just reacting naturally to what we are presented with. I did expect something to be said about Puck and Ivalira still being around. If they if they were going to be around, there would be some line, a single line. Just give us something, some kind of morsel to chew on to be like, okay, mm. I can rationalize that now a little bit. I can sort of see what they were going for. But no explanation, re- to me, it really draws attention to itself. And, and that's, I say that as myself. And I say that having read the comments of hundreds of people over on Reddit, many people had the same question. Like, hey, hey, hang on. Why are Puck and Evelyra still here? What What's going on exactly? Yeah, that was the question that I saw the most as well. Yeah. A lot of people are confused. I'm, I'm not surprised they're not addressing it. Of course, I'm, I'm disappointed they're not addressing it, but I'm not that surprised. I'll say, I'm at least I'm glad... Puck and Ivarel are still in the series and haven't been erased because I'm at the point where I think Maury's basically just doing what he has to to just get it done. And for example, the Meros, uh, one thing I was thinking about is uh, where is it supposed to disappear like that? Where, where is, was it supposed to be done or was it just, well, you know, Isma, we don't really know what to do with her. Let's just, let's just get her out now so we can focus on the other stuff. And so, yeah, I'm just glad these characters are still here. I guess that's the point where I'm at. And no explanation. Uh, yeah, whatever. I mean, we we always knew it was going to be a kind of a, you need to take a bird's eye view. You need to only really look at the big picture, ignore the details, because that's where you can find basically what Mura kind of had in mind, like... Griffiths is going to be there because he's not going to do any damage to him. He's going to take Casca away. Island gets destroyed. Danan disappears. Then they get on the ship and Gus is uh, bummed out because he couldn't do anything. And, and that's what you can get away, at least in my point of view, from what Mira intended. But when you look at the details of Padin, it's, it's basically what the team, Mori and the staff, have made up to fill in the void. But it's not actually what Mira would have done. So any of this, actually, any of what we see in this episode, it's basically just made up uh, in order to, to have something to show and something to tell, right? But Do you think that Miro told Mori, Guts is going to lose faith in his sword? Or some no. sentence like that for like because why because it's such a focus of not only this episode but sort of the way they set it up previously. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question, and I don't think so. I think I think he said Guts would lose faith in like his abilities, and maybe because of the way Japanese is constructed, maybe it was done like that. But I feel like the way it's depicted in this episode is really like it's really missing the point, to be honest where Gat is focusing on the sword. So, of course... Literally the sword. Yeah, he, he's yeah. focused... So, his boss literally focused on the sword and fixated at the Dragon Slayer. At the same time, he's remembering his sword from the Golden Age, which, uh, like I said in, in the thread, it, it's kind of ridiculous because that sword actually broke when he fought Boscone and he almost died because of it. Because they do it so literally and the dialogue is so poor, to be honest, the dialogue is really poor. It's just like the same two sentence bits repeated in a row. Um, 
yeah, you, you, it still comes off, uh, comes across as looking very, very literal to me. And I just think that's not at all how Guts would react. He would doubt he himself, like his own abilities, not through the sword, but more as a general like himself. And as we see in volume 10, he considers uh, his sword to be an extension of himself anyway. So in this case, the, the problem is not that the sword was not magical enough or strong enough or whatever that he couldn't damage Griffiths is that he couldn't do anything himself. He was powerless. And I feel like if Mira were to do it, it would be, I was powerless, I couldn't do anything, and I couldn't do anything for what? Not just anything against Griffiths, but anything to stop him from abducting Casca because that's a big deal. And, and what's shocking yeah. to me is that this is not addressed at all in this episode. And moreover, out of the scenes from the flashbacks we see, two of them are actually uh, scenes where Casca plays a big part. There's uh, the uh, aftermath of the 100-man fight where she's the one that comes looking for him. And then there's a bonfire of dreams where they are together and she's not even pictured there. So it's really a conscious choice to erase her from the, the picture. And that, to me, honestly, it's kind of unforgivable because I, I understand that it might have been complicated and they didn't want to mix it up and blah, blah, blah. And maybe they didn't know how to do it, so they didn't want to feature it. But her being there is actually a way of shortcutting what they needed to do, which is parlay the failure of his ability with the sword into what mattered most, which is protecting Casca. Yeah. So, like, she was there all along, you know? You could have just, in a, in a cinema, cinematography way, slid the camera a little bit over to show that Casca was there, too. You know what I mean? Like, she's there. she was there all along as well. Yeah. There's ways to emphasize Casca's presence there and her importance to Guts while still doing this whole sword thing. But they just didn't do it. Could have even started where he's focusing on the sword thing and you, I'm, I'm like, we're fixing it. Uh, <laughs> you know, she's in the background of these shots, these memories, and then yeah. it just focuses more and more on her. And that's when it's just only her and he breaks down. You know, but it's like yeah. we just, we never get there and it doesn't look like they're going there. And it's it's kind of worrisome because it's like, oh man, what are their what are their plans for Casca? Like, yeah. I hope it's, you know, something. So that's that's my biggest, uh, I guess, worry from that, other than the ineffectiveness. Oh, man, I, I actually hadn't thought about that. But now you're making me reconsider that Casca's going to be locked up in a cell until Jesus. the end of the series, which would be like... Uh, it's like suicide worthy for the series. It's a uh, damn. Oh don't my God. don't think too much about this character, folks. <laughs> oh know? wow, we're writing her yeah, out. Yeah. Gus sure isn't thinking about her. So yeah, I don't. That's not a road I'm willing to go down because that's a he's a huge rabbit hole. Yeah, like that would that would start opening the door on. Was it even you know official that Casca was supposed to be removed from the stage like this? I don't. I don't think so. I don't think. I don't think so either. I, yeah, it's so. What's the word? Toxic is the word. If that is the if that is the case, it's fucking toxic, and I don't want to touch it. Yeah. Um, hey, another thing about gut soliloquy at the end here. Yeah. It's actually false. I didn't realize it until I was making my notes. You know, I'll just read you Puelo's translation. Gut says, "I didn't trust anything, 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 but I trusted only you, only you." Really? He never trusted his comrades. His new comrades, his old comrades, he never trusted Casca? Yeah. Really? Yeah, it really? It doesn't make sense. <laughs> I mean, even on Elf Elm, even very recently, he entrusted the healing of Casca's mind to Farnese and Shiruke. Like, there's actually a scene specifically for that, where he's like, okay, like, he even breathes out and he's like, all right, 
Yep. I'll trust you guys. That's right. And, and that's a big deal. That's a huge deal because that his whole arc with this character has been to learn to trust again, to learn to rely to others again, to learn to get attached to people again, uh, to not be afraid that they'll be killed like what happened to his previous friends. So he finally is like, okay, I'll let you guys, I'll, I'll, I'll how to say, uh, lean on you guys in order to, to go ahead. And I mean, and also what's ridiculous is the actual, what's going to happen after this, like God's, his new resolve and everything, it will also be through his companions. It will be, okay, I couldn't uh, beat Griffiths with just like slamming my sword into his face, but actually Shiroke will be like, well, actually I saw that there was a maelstrom effect and yeah. uh, if I do this and that, maybe I can cancel it and then you can kill it. And if, then you can make him bleed and if he bleeds, you can kill him. And, and that's going to be <laughs> how they resolve it, right? So that would have been a good way to, let's say, uh, an on-ramp to get into there. But they just choose to be like, oh, I could only trust my sword. Like you said, it's just not true. It's it's a reading of Guts as if he was frozen in time in the Golden Age, as if he has not made any progress personally uh, since then, which is just yeah. not the case. It's, you know, that's not Guts anymore. It's basically Guts in Volume 5. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not Guts. even the end of the Golden Age. It's like Guts yeah. when all, all I care about is my sword, Casca, you know? And, like, she's, like, mad at him for that, you know? And it's like, well, yeah. wait, we, we've been past this for a while. This is kind of <laughs> odd. Um, but, yeah, all these ideas about, you know, what they could have done better or how this could still be sort of salvaged or where they could be going in a positive light. I'm more and more, like, thinking about, like, how it's sort of simplified. The storytelling is obviously simplified, you know, both the artwork, storyboarding, and, you know, the emotions and the dialogue. But it's like, you know, our expectations, like, you know, we're looking for these uh, these answers, and I'm just sad that we're probably not going to get them and that we almost need to read this series like sort of a simpler shonen series, like, you know, the supernatural elements, it's almost like you should take them as seriously now as Dragon Ball Z or something, you know, with like, <laughs> you know the power-ups and the, you know, I'm thinking of like the Majin Buu saga or something where it's like, it's almost like slapstick and you're just making it up as you go along. I mean, that's, I mean, I, I hope I'm wrong about that still to a degree. I mean, like they're going to still follow some rules, but you know, obviously the, the thing with the elves is confusing and it just seems like one thing has nothing to do with the other, you know, plot wise. Like it's not following rules. It's just, okay, these people exit stage left, these characters, these are important legacy characters. They're staying behind. <laughs> it's loaded. I mean, you touched on something that I've been thinking about for the past few months now, and that is, I think I might, I might have said on the podcast, I might have not, but, you know, we're trying to, through discussions and through forum posts, we're trying to effectively fill a hole that Berserk, that Miura left behind, and what we're being given cannot fill that hole. And I don't mean that just symbolically. I mean, literally, the time we spend talking about this thing. I can't justify two hours dissecting this episode. There's not two hours enough as much material. There's not enough material to talk about this, you know? <laughs> like, I really only have, like, two or three things to say about the entire episode. Mm. And that's how it's been since the continuation started. But that's the medium that we've built for ourselves in this podcast. So uh, that's actually why, and we're not going to get there yet, but I would also like to talk about the fact that this is likely, could be, the end of the chapter of Elf Island and the end of the Fantasia arc. And that's all hinged on the wording of the, when they announced the continuation in an official post by Hakusensha, it was also translated officially in English 
They said they would do uh, six releases and then a new arc would begin. That was their exact wording. Uh, so we're here, though. This is it. This is the sixth release since they started. What a grand uh, ending with the, the Dragon Slayer on the floor. That's a, what yeah. a shot. <laughs> you know? so, yeah. yeah, and no acknowledgement of it either in the text. So it could be that they miscounted and that 371 is meant to be the ending. Because I definitely did not get a sense of finality to this particular wing of thing myself. Right. But in any case, once we get past this episode, I would like to talk about the entire chapter, which of course started in volume 35, mm. uh, and see how we got here mm. once we get there. So. The actual, the ending of the previous episode would have been a much better place to end the chapter in the Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> so. Yeah, dealing with the aftermath of something, like, it almost feels more appropriate <clears throat> to be... A different arc to me. Yeah. They could have, like, it could have been a flashback to mm-hmm. how they loaded the stuff. But even, honestly, even like any, everything shown here, nothing important goes on, basically. It's just showing that, yeah, they're going back using the ship, which was already kind of obvious. Mm-hmm. And then Guts is still, I mean, there's a whole part about his sword, basically. I guess that's a big deal. That feels like a, a new beginning, though. Like, we're exploring some new emotional journey that he's going on, right? Like, yeah. I mean, the ending, you know, the disappearance of the island and all those characters, that should have been on the level of, like, you know, the incarnation of Femto, you know, in that ending. Like, I'm thinking of the shot of Skull Knight overlooking the destroyed, you know, mm-hmm. like, landscape from that, you know, the aftermath. And it's like, it's an event on that scale, but it's not sold that way. Yeah, 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 exactly, and uh, and and the, the whole thing we've got and his uh, emotional journey that could have very well been at the beginning of the next chapter or arc or whatever, uh, because uh, I mean you can have him like it's been a month, uh, he's on the ship and he still can't touch the sword and he's still bothered and and he still has got his swords and whatever you can do whole thing about that you don't need to have it right away right. And it also brings into question the way they, they did it, where it's not just Guts thinking about his sword and, and, and whatnot. It's him being apparently locked in a room, even though the room doesn't actually look locked. So it's not clear why Roderick can't enter it. There's no lock. Why would the cargo hold lock from the inside? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there's no, like on page 13, you can actually see the door. There's nothing blocking it. And it doesn't even have a lock, in fact. So... It just got a, 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 a handle, nothing else. I mean, I I have been racking my brain about the whole Roderick thing, which which stuck out to me more than anything in this episode. And I think he's just upset because it creates tension and it changes your expectations about what's going to happen in that room, along with what Molda says about the armor, you know, activating. Yeah. I don't know why she's telling Shirky about how come, that. How come nobody's saying, <laughs> well, hey, man, if he didn't go berserk when Casca got kidnapped, I mean, I don't, I don't maybe he doesn't do that anymore. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. That that whole bit was so goofy. It really felt like an artificial conflict that they had put in there just to create tension. And it yeah. also raises the question, why isn't he go why hasn't he gone berserk? You know, which we were asking during the event. You're like, Well, Griffith's not doing it. Oh, Casca yeah. getting kidnapped's not doing it. And it's like, Okay, I guess that's not happening. It Those <laughs> barrels are gonna do it, man. They're yeah. gonna send him over the edge. <laughs> Yeah, what are those barrels full of, huh? Huh? Could be the, <laughs> the gnawers are in there, and they're going to be talking to him through the barrel. See? Oh, Sacrifice son. We didn't finish our conversation before. <laughs> I had even forgotten about that. 
<laughs> that's just like, what the hell, man? That really went nowhere. We, I remember we were speculating about, are they going to have a conversation with Guts? Yeah. Are they going to pull him down into the earth and they're going to talk to him about how the Berserk's armor was created? And <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Let's, let's do it. Let a flashback to Gazerick's time where we see how they were created. Nah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there was going to be a flashback. <laughs> hey, listen, I read through volumes 39 to 41 to prepare for this whole thing. There's there's a line with Shirke in 363 when she says, then why? Why did my teacher leave this island? And like Miura was setting something up, a reveal for that moment. Of course. Why else have her questioning the past of Flora in such a specific way, if not to have that? relate back to Danon and Skull Knight's past. Like, that's a, that's a vessel to deliver the, the past of Danon and the Skull Knight. And that moment has passed. That moment is gone, Yeah, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, there's a lot of stuff. There's uh, also the Gurus. There's Hanar, who, sure. who is supposed to have disappeared. So he was introduced. I mean, he wasn't just introduced so he could bang on the armor with his armor, right? Uh, I hope not. I mean, that's not how Mira would have done it, because it could have been done any other way otherwise. He could have contrived another way, yeah, for sure. Just, like, to to make a, a character for it, like, a specific character who specifically made the armor himself, who the Skull Knight knows, and they, they have, a, like, a familiar relationship. Obviously, something more was planned. Then you've got Isidro in the forest with the witches, where it shows that he's got this uh, new affinity with it. All of this stuff... Like, it, it all converges towards something big's going to happen. These characters are going to have to deal with it. There's going to be revelations around the way. Uh, same thing with Shirk Berserk is going to get so much cooler was, you know, all the, <laughs> was what all indications were. Was, you know, yeah. Going in a great direction. So, yeah, great stuff is coming. And, yeah, and no, it's not coming anymore. It didn't come. So, I, I mean... There, there, Go ahead, finish your thing. I was just gonna gonna say we we knew we knew we weren't going to be getting much of what Muir had planned, but uh, I guess it ended up being even less than what I thought. You know, I was rereading earlier volumes to prepare for this, and uh, an example of this is there's a scene where Isma's mom gives Isma this necklace mm-hmm. and yeah, says, sure. "You can speak into this." If anything happens and you'll hear my voice or I'll hear your voice and you can hear mine if anything happens. And, uh, yeah, I guess that's not happening. Oh, yeah. We made fun of that two or three episodes back for sure. Yeah. Oh. The boss disappeared. Yeah. No. Well, remember, Isma's mom let Roderick know that shit's going down. You better prepare the ship. But she didn't bother using the seashell to tell her daughter that shit's going down. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, right, yeah. Uh yeah, my my this is moment with Hanar when he sees Guts armor and he says, Wow, I didn't expect to see that again, and I didn't expect to see both these armors in the same place again. So Skull Knight and Guts side by side. It sets the reader's expectation for like, get ready. Shit's about to get real. These two badasses right next to each other. Big action's coming. Yeah. What what happened? What'd they do? What did Skull Knight do? Why was Skull Knight here? Yeah. He came, he warned Guts that something was coming. He had words with Danan, telling her that basically he wasn't there just to visit the grave, but because... He wants to... No, he wants to fight some Nars. He wants to, to mow those yeah. guys down like Link cutting he, grass, you know? <laughs> yeah, he wants to yeah, to cut the, the water-like stuff that doesn't get any damage from being cut. Very useful. <laughs> very u- useful skill. Yeah, so... 
I even don't know what we were talking about. I was just really picking on things that were preemptive of exciting oh, moments yeah. that Mira was setting so, up that I, I feel ultimately might have just gotten cut cut around because they yeah. didn't they didn't meet, you know, bullet point needs for moving things forward. It's just sad because it's like clearly something was going to I mean what we're talking about with Hanar here is that clearly he was going to do something to the armor or give guts some sort of, you know, enhancement or other item or something that was going to, you know, play a role and now that's probably just lost whatever that may have been. Mm. They could have made it a, a an excuse to access those memories through any other magic user or shirke, but you know, to have the guy who can actually manipulate the power of the armors. Yeah, was, mm-hmm. that's that's what the special thing about him was and uh yeah, I guess that's I'm- I don't expect to see him again. Yeah, you don't introduce a legendary blacksmith if you're not going to have him smith something or do something with an object he actually forged. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of... A, and, and, you know, I mean, we, we could go on endlessly. There's a Volvaba, uh, Molda's uh, teachers, there's a wicker man she had stored who, as fire entities, would have been a good tool against the Noors. There's tons of stuff like that. Like you said, Walter, I, I feel like Mori didn't have the information and he didn't bother with the stuff he didn't know. I also feel like he breached some things, uh, like I said earlier, in order for the things to make sense. So he didn't know. It's not just that it's not depicted. That's what happened with Farnes and Griffiths, for example. It's not depicted. But there's other mm-hmm. stuff where I feel like he's just bridging it. Like you take, for example, what Molda tells Farnes about her healing magic. Molda comes and she's like, oh, you guys are here. You're uh, intact. You come with me. Uh, we need, you're needed. Your healing magic uh, can help these people. So first I'll point out that none of the refugees depicted have any wounds. Right. <laughs> they're, they're not wounded. Even on the previous episode, they're just getting taken out of the water, but they, they don't have anything. So, okay. They're sad, just like us. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. sad. So let's say, okay, they need that. So why would Farnese specifically have healing magic. So uh, I don't think it's referring to when Shiruke taught her the basics of helping accelerate the body's restoration uh, on the ship while they were going to the island. It's obviously referring to what she said in episode 360 when she asked uh, Gad uh, if she could learn healing magic and specifically magic to heal the mind. And the idea was she would be able to help Casca. And then, you know, they told her, well, Danan, she's a specialist. I mean, she's the one who did the Corridor of Dreams, right? She's the one who cured Casca, even though Farnes and Shirke went there. It's, it's all thanks to Danan. So then I was like, yeah, sure, I can help you. Then that day goes forward and we get to uh, episode 364. It's been two days. Yeah, we can say, like, if we are very charitable, we can imagine, because Danan says a full night can stay, uh, can last at least a few days on the island. So we can think, well, maybe it was three days. Okay, three days. Skipped some. But, and, and it happened, it all happened off screen, off the page. But honestly, is that enough for Farnese, who is a beginner magic user who started learning magic three months ago, is that enough for her to have learned, like, healing magic to the point that she's needed here? And You, you see, you're, we're, we're still, like, we're thinking too hard by a different set of rules where it's like, you're, yeah. you've been practicing, like, Eddie Van Halen to play the guitar, but <laughs> I just need you to, you're playing Louie Louie now. 
So, you know, it's like, yeah. we don't need to worry about all that stuff. You know, don't worry about all that, you know, complicated stuff. That's over. Just play the chords. But the point is, she couldn't possibly, like, have done that. And she was learning mind healing, not even normal healing. And the thing is, there's a great gurus are here that are not wounded. There's tons of people like likely specialized in healings that could be doing. Well, they're surrounded by magic users yeah. as well. And, and and Puck and Ivarla are there. They're elves. They are the ones who are like the best at healing. None of these people are needed. It's only Farnese. Why? Because it's convenient for her to now be the healing specialist. Because Mori knew that Mira was thinking about, yeah, maybe I'll make her kind of a healer type. Maybe she can help Gus and Casca stuff. And so that's it. That's done. Doesn't matter, whatever. Oh yeah, the time she did doesn't matter. Flashback doesn't matter. No, she's just a healer now, and and that's it. Yeah, I mean that's that's not great. A couple other things for this episode. One is Molda introduces the idea of the armor activating. Uh, Roderick is rushing to the scene, adding tension to this thing with guts being you know downcast. It seems like they're at least warming the audience up to that potential danger, whether or not that'll actually result in what seems to be teased or not, I think remains to be seen. Oh my God. You really think the armor could actually activate and Gus could rampage on the ship? Here's what I think. They are introducing that as a possibility. And so I naturally wonder why introduce that as a possibility if they aren't going to do something with it. It's actually much harder to predict <laughs> than because, you know, it's, it doesn't have to necessarily be sensible anymore. So it's like, so is this just some really ham-fisted sort of faint? Like, you know, it's like a fake out to add tension with, you know, why does Roderick worried about this, yeah. like we were saying? Or are they actually setting something up, <laughs> which would be much worse because it just highlights all the more, well, why the hell didn't he go berserk? when it would have mattered, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when it would have made a difference it, and made the most sense. I mean, either way is yeah. weird, yeah. Mm. I don't know what you guys think, but to me it would make no sense at all whatsoever for him to go berserk now. I mean, he's just depressed. Ziamo is fueled by, like, fighting spirit feelings. Like, when you're on the battlefield, it's not fueled by being sad. Mm-hmm. I, I don't disagree with that 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 premise at all. But I, I also think that this team has misread things before or not read at all <laughs> and so i just think it's possible that they would they would play that card now nah. uh they could say here here i'll rationalize it i don't like doing it it's not comfortable but like what if uh guts guard is lowered because he's so depressed and then the beast part of him seizes the opportunity say now i can take control because you're not fighting me anymore like you're always fighting me and that's it yeah uh, what's here's it? the thing how would they calm him down though what would be the how do you do that? Just throw him overboard and let him drown. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. Why, you know, why would the beast... So, okay, I'll, I'll take your stuff. The beast... The beast is nothing. I mean, God's just got fucked by Griffiths. He couldn't mm-hmm. do anything. What's the beast going to do? Try to go again? What? The beast is the manifestation, the embodiment of his trauma and his anger and fear and hatred and everything against Griffiths. It used to be on the beach, just hearing the word Taka, Falcon, it, it just, you know, drove him, almost drove him to transform. But he was actually faced with Griffiths and he didn't do anything. So honestly, I mean, it makes no sense to me. I, I even don't know, like, what would be the point? 
Casca's already gone. She's actually with Griffiths. <laughs> What's what the beast gonna do? Kill random people? The point would be to fill more pages in the episode. Yeah. Uh, the whole tension with the beast was its appetite, right? And Guts had stirred up this dark part of himself, and its appetite got so big that it was gonna tear through anything to get to you know the thing that it the tr- the thing that burned us, etc. Mm. Is that hunger still there? After what happened, you know what I mean? Like, uh, his, it's hunger. Must be, he must be pretty full at this point, right? No, like, I'm not gonna say it's, I'm gonna say it's like extinguished. Is that the whole yeah, yeah, point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. got no fighting spring left. I agree. He's dejected. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what it should be, at least. Otherwise, what is he gonna do? He's gonna transform, I, I agree. but he doesn't want to touch the sword anymore because. But that's why all of those things we said aren't congruent with them teasing that page, full page, by uh, the way. I think of the armor just, I think he's just I think he's just there to be there, honestly. I don't think there's okay. any any logic to it or anything. It's just like, uh-huh, it could be dangerous, it might. And especially since Molda's the one telling Shiroke, I mean Shiroke, I think she knows a little bit about it. Thank you very much, Miss Molda, who just, you know, <laughs> yeah. just lived on the island your whole life and now you're in charge and you're giving life lessons. She just saw, she only saw the armor when she was down in the cave. And the one who actually did anything was Shiruke. She's the one who jumped in and helped Guts take care of the armor. So I don't, I'm not sure why Molda is uh, warning like this. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I know why she is. She is because mm-hmm. she has to, so that the reader knows it's dangerous. So there's tension. And then we see Roderick banging on the door, so that there's tension also. Uh, because the actual scene with Guts is just limb-dicked, okay? It's just him being like old mopey about the sword and, and nothing else, and it doesn't look at all like he's going to do anything except just sit on his ass and, and cry. I saw several people saying, and I, and I tend to agree, that it, is, it doesn't seem right the way Guts is acting. Uh, I do think that it's appropriate that Guts is downcast right now, obviously, sure. right? Sure. And it, it makes sense that initially he would blame his lack of ability to stop Casca from being taken. But again, that thought that thought pattern ends with Casca being taken. It doesn't end with my sword couldn't reach him, period. It's my sword couldn't reach him and what was taken was the thing I was supposed to protect. That's how you end the scene. Yeah. To me, it's like Guts is focusing on the wrong thing. And, and in the end, it doesn't feel like something Guts would say in that way, and thus it doesn't come across as Guts. Um, but I will offer a mitigating circumstance for for why this feels wonky in addition to everything else. This is not a, a Tuesday for Guts. This is not a normal day. You know, this is, this is a pivotal time for him. And so this new team took over at a time where Guts is going to come across as different because he's doing different things than just fighting Kelpies and Ogres and whatever, right? This is <clears throat> this is a big change for him at the same time as the new team. So that's a little bit of a mitigating circumstance, I think. I, I disagree. I think first off, they knew what they were getting to. There's no point in the series where it would have been easy to take over, to be honest. And I agree this one is really pivotal because it's him facing Griffiths. I mean, the episodes where he faces Griffiths, I think we can all agree they're, they're botched. They're, they're not very good. Uh, and this is him being downcast. And yeah, sure, it's, it's it's tough, but I don't know what would be easy. You know what I mean? Even Guts just being, I mean, unless you're like, yeah, when they're walking from uh, the field of pumpkins to the village, you know, I guess that, that's fine, but... It, when you have him explain about Griffiths' ambition and who Griffiths is, is that easy to do? Would they be able to do it easily? It's like they swapped actors. They have the same script, 
but the actor's capability of expressing themselves is not as not as good as it used to be, right? So my, that's my point is they swapped actors, and that's why it comes across as a little wonky in addition to all the other changes they might have in, influenced as well. That goes for the face. If you're like, like visually on the page, his face isn't right, but... I'm more concerned with the dialogue and what he's actually thinking about. And that's not a matter of the actor, it's a matter of the writer, right? Of the director. Mm-hmm. And, and so <clears throat> that's a problem. To me, that's, that's, that's a problem. It's, it's not so much how it's depicted. I mean, sure, it's not depicted great. The flashback scenes uh, don't make sense to me. Uh, we talked about that. But the problem to me is really what he's thinking, what he's not thinking about. Why focus on the sword? And it's not even, it's not even my sword couldn't reach him. You said that. That's a very charitable interpretation. You're like, you're making half a step in the right direction instead of the actual team because he, he doesn't say my sword couldn't reach him. He said, I could only trust my sword, only you. And what's implied is, uh, you betrayed me. My sword betrayed me. So it's a, it's a whole other thing that my sword couldn't reach him. My so-called origin is what he should actually be thinking and be saying because it's thematically relevant. It's what he talked about in the past. Now my sword might reach him, blah, blah, blah. He, we know he was able to at least send Slan off in the cliff, cliff art. You know, he could dispel her presence. We know he managed to damage Kanishka. He might have thought maybe he could do something. Uh, but just my sword betrayed me. I mean, it's a whole other thing, right? It's tough because, you know, I've got these two parts of my brain that are war. Like, every time I try and read through this episode, I think about what Puella said about, and what you said as about kind of the broad strokes, just kind of bird's eye view. Or, yeah, Griffith, you said this too, just just not focusing too much on the details. But then again, my brain has been trained to focus on these details. And it takes me back to something that we talked about when we were first anticipating Mori and Studio Gaga taking over is how, you know, Mori spent countless hours probably talking to Mura with, uh, about with Berserk, uh, over the years and how, you know, he was the guy to do it and he probably had a really good understanding. And that's the kind of conflict that I'm coming up against when I'm reading this because, like you're saying, Guts, the understanding of Guts as a character is, is that is that a misunderstanding or misinterpretation on Maury's part? Or is he just being so strict about this particular part where he's saying, okay, well, Mira said this to me in passing, but I'm going to treat it as literally as it, as possible for the sake of this series. Mm. So mm. it's like, we're constantly going through, at least it's constantly going through my mind. It's like, okay, what was the interpretation here? What was the intent here? I can't really just say, okay, this is what Mira had in mind because he wouldn't write this. So I'm, I'm at a, it's kind of hard to talk about the episode in that context, really. No one can write this but Mira. So Maury might have information, but the, but from having like a conversation with the author about the character and knowing the character from reading it previously does not give one, anyone the ability to effectively write the character, you know, like the author did. So you get this sort of weird one-sided and it doesn't even feel like the right side of guts interpretation. And I, you know, I could, the only way I can sort of sympathize with it is to think like, okay, well I can recognize what's wrong with this, right? We can kind of fix it in our heads and, you know, we can point to, we can extrapolate like he should be saying, 
my sword couldn't reach him because that's what he said before. Mira would echo lines, you know, effectively. But it's like, imagine inventing it out of whole cloth or from like a dis- a bullet point that you have to like get to where it's like you kind of have to invent. You have to fill in all the blank. And yeah, I just don't think it's realistic. I don't think it's possible. And that's what we're, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing the best result that can come of that uh, <clears throat> from the author's best friend trying to finish the story when it's like, well, he's, he's his best friend, but he's not him. So it doesn't, you know, even if he uh, had all these hours of conversation, it's just going to come out wonky like this one way or another. Like it could, mm. it could come out even, you know, it might come out a little better at some points and it might come out worse at others. Mm. I'm also wondering if he was listening very carefully to what we are saying. Oh, yeah, I, was, I wanted when she said countless hours, I was going to be like, "Well, you know, I'd like a count. <laughs> you know, how many hours was it exactly?" He was, he was thinking about what he should eat tonight. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. yeah, you should do. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> There's a page in the uh, tribute to Kentaro Miura where Kojimori and Miura are at a, t- a mm-hmm. diner, like a sitting at a table together. And, you know, privately, he's, like, frustrated that Miura is kind of, like, rubbing his face and how awesome and his manga is and how many uh, developments he has. And Mori has this very, like, frustrated, like, I can't believe this asshole is, like, telling me all this shit. <laughs> Look on his face. <laughs> Makes me think back to how he might have treated some of those conversations. Yeah. Like, okay, okay, I got it. Okay. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah. Um, it might not sound like it, but I approach every episode particularly in the continuation as well, uh, charitably. I, I approach whenever I start a new episode, even these, I always go into it thinking, okay, what do we got? I want to be excited. I want to be invested in this thing. And every single time... And I'm happy I'm happy that people can enjoy this. Like, you know, the, the Berserk fans who can read the new episodes. Not me. They make me sick. Like, <laughs> 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 yeah, no, but I was going to say, this fucking sucks. <laughs> Yeah, and I I do I really do try and I'm the kind of person where like I want to understand people's perspective. Even if it doesn't make sense to me, I usually want to understand it. Like I, I just try to invest myself in like what am I missing? Am I missing something? I want to try to understand things like that. And I just don't see it. I, I've looked at this particular, you know, I look at continuation from a number of different lenses and it, it's just it's just not doing it for me, guys. And I'm I'm really trying to make sense of it. <laughs> trying to make it yeah. something that can really sustain me and, and worthwhile for my time and level of attention. What it is is over 41 volumes, we've gotten to know a person like in, I feel, Through a great work. amount of detail. Mm. And that's not with us anymore, you know, and it's obvious. Mm. Same thing for me as far as... Even though, I mean, I'm, I'm very critical here, but actually I, I never go in with a bad mindset and because very simply, I just, I mean, I just love Berserk very, very much and I'll, I'll eat shit if I need to for the sake of Berserk, basically, which is pretty much what I'm doing now. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I'm going to see this through no matter how long it takes. I'll endure it. It's kind of a chore. I'll try to keep an open mind and to keep being positive about it and to hope that it gets better and that we can get some nice points. And even if we can get one nice scene out of it, I'll be happy with it because it is still better than nothing. It is still better than never knowing at all what Mira would have done. Even if we have to spend 10 years afterwards 
picking it apart to try to extract the good parts and leaving the chaff on the side, right? So yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, same thing here. I, I'm I'm waiting for the next one. I'll be there. I'll take a day off to to sit and to think about it and to try to think. And I'm thinking also about the next stuff already. I'm like, okay, so Hodas gets gets back on his legs. Uh, there's lots of stuff. And the same thing, like where are the, is they going with the seahorse now? You know what? Obvious possibilities that came into my mind. They're going to Is to Roderick's place. Uh, it's where, I, I mean... They forgot about that one, though. Yeah, I know. But if I was Roderick, and if this was what happened in the state of the war and whatnot, I'd be like, okay, fuck this, I'm going home. I know that place, yeah. I know that stuff, I'm going there. So, sure. you now the bad part about this is, I got, got me thinking, damn, that would prolong the continuation f- like by years and i do not well, don't don't worry about that cuz my thoughts right now i'm thinking of charlie brown trying to kick the football and lucy taking it away oh. cuz you're you're still <laughs> again you're you're thinking too smart this isn't that serious anymore they're not there's there is no is anymore it doesn't exist uh, it's not on oh. the map uh, i mean i honestly when you were talking about them fighting another god hand i was thinking are we going to see the God Hand other than like at the end, like when they go and disappear, you know, and they like ex- explode, <laughs> you know, Void's brain explodes when Guts kills Griffith <laughs> or whatever. And I mean, honestly, it really is like, it could be that way. Like where it's like, how would you make this as simple as possible? Where it's like, all right, they're yeah. going back to the mainland. Maybe they meet up with Rickard. Maybe they don't. And we're going to the castle. <laughs> like it could really be like, that simple. You are a wiser man than me. <laughs> I am, I'll tell you that. I'm just more cynical. <laughs> I think I'm just like, all right, I'm ready to. I'm ready to live with this. This is what it's going to yeah. be. If they're going to sidestep around any explanation of what happened with the elves and why Puck and Eva Lear are still here, to me, it does remove a lot of obstacles for what they could do or what they will or won't do. You know, moving forward, basically anything. Anything. I got this magic gem, and with that, we can kill Griffiths. All right, let's go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, what you were saying about sort of processing the series, and like you said, you're still going to read it and sort of, uh, I guess, try to filter out or... Uh, distill. Yeah, distill mm-hmm. it. Yes, exactly. That is the word I was looking for. So basically distill it down to the essence of basically reverse engineer it back to that yeah. that story summary with like a picture of Guts looking sad on the boat after Casca is taken. That would have been very effective, right? That would have been great. Yeah. And instead they took that and they took that picture of Guts being sad and they had to stretch it out into five pages of him being sad and, you know, and, it, yeah. and you know, just repeating the same dialogue. And that doesn't work. It doesn't work dramatically. Whereas if you get the gist of it with, you know, a little, uh, a little punctuation mark of a picture to go with it, your imagination can do the rest and extrapolate what that scene would have felt like Mira doing it. Not all the details, because no one can do that. But you can at least take your own experience reading the series and recreate it looking at that. Yeah, that's a good point. And you know, it's something Mira also said in the past in that he never put in dialogue unless he really had to, because obviously a picture is worth a thousand words and, and a, a manga is a visual medium. 
And in that case, less is more. Like they could have, they could have just had guts being sad and not focus specifically on the sword or just focus on the sword and then just him being sad and it's like nondescript. So you can, like the reader can imagine, oh, he's sad about Casca as well and about his, his inability to do anything against grief. It's like you can, it's just up to the reader, but by yeah. tra- trying to make it precise, uh, yeah, they kind of bog it down. And one of the things you said, which is about the stretching part, you know, I keep wondering, we don't really know Mori and Studio Gaga's process because Mori is a supervisor and I'm, I'm guessing he like checks up the, their progress and what they're doing in the panels and stuff. But he, the way he said it is that he would write the story and then they would draw, which implies, I mean, it's even pretty sure that he doesn't do the storyboard, basically. We, we can't know, but we can extrapolate a bit based on his release schedule and all the other series he's working on, right? Yeah. He has a full-time gig with his own series. What is he working on, two now? Yeah, Three? He, yeah, he finished uh, the Suicide Island Gaiden and he's starting a new series with Hakusensha. Mm-hmm. So obviously, since it's a new series, it's a lot of work. And he's still got uh, Sose no Taiga going. So that's also that. And presumably after Sose no Taiga's over, he'll do MK, uh, the autobiography of him and Mura. So yeah, he's... So he's been busy. Yeah, and he also does... Like, he's also active in a lot of MMA stuff. He's like a sponsor for... Don't a uh, special branch on the uh, Japanese MMA, so uh, like uh, mixed martial arts. Oh, we wouldn't so want he, to take away from that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's what he said uh, when he announced it. He said he wouldn't stop working on his own projects because if he did, Mira would blame him for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I can I can understand. At the same time, yeah. it's like you know. I mean, if you're not going to be, <laughs> maybe he'd forgive you. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. like, if, you're, if you're not going to be giving it your all, should you really be doing it? It's you know, it, it goes back to like, was he kind of coerced into it? Uh, how did it? Yeah, how did it go? Or exactly? yeah, how much of a marriage of convenience? I've wondered that, like, how involved he is in the. Like, I think what you're getting is the day to day. Like, he could have just handed them everything he knew at the beginning and said, "Okay, there's your Bible to work from, and yeah, my name yeah. will be on it because of this." And other than that, and it also made me think of another point, which I mean, it doesn't really help with the script and the material they have, but if they just got like. If they hired someone like what I maybe I mentioned already, an ace storyboarder, you know, yeah. as their ringer to sort of make it all and you know to do continuity and to you know direct the action. Yeah, you know, I've got some one of my friends, uh, Pili. Uh, he's a professional animator. He actually works on like stuff that's on TV and so on. So he's he's pretty big time. We talked about it when even before the project was announced, and the idea was like, how would you do it? Like, how would you do it? So obviously you'd have like an ace writer, someone who can take like the bits and pieces of what Mira stuff and try to craft a good story with someone like Maury, like a good friend to, I would say, kind of give it a name. Uh, you'd have a, an ace mangaka to try to like do the storyboarding. And you can have like, because Mira was a genius and proficient and everything, you can have one guy that does the color paintings uh, also covers, uh, one guy that does the background. Like you, you've already got the assistance, right? But at least for the storyboarding, because that's, that's a job in and of itself. Like being a mangaka is not just being an illustrator. 
The point isn't just to do like uh, a guy that looks like Gus. You got to do the storyboarding. You got to have the, the direction, the composition of the scenes. And that's a job in and of itself. So we can get uh, a guy like Murata, for example, who's a great, great mangaka and, and try to make him do that. The problem is a guy like that probably wouldn't want to do it. Like he'd, he'd find it disrespectful or prefer to do his own work. So, and the same way for actually for like the, the characters, you can have people who are like professionals of uh, imitating art. Like just people who are like imitators, they can really reproduce something to the perfection, the style of somebody else. You can have these guys go over what's been done and be like, okay, I'm going to redraw God's face. So it really looks like Mira's style from like volume 39 and bam, that's it. Problem is that's also expensive to do. Yeah, I was going to point out they're like, they're not like trying to recreate Berserk sparing no expense you know it's not like we'll pay whatever we have to to revive this it's like it's probably more you have to use what we the tools we have at our disposal already yeah yeah it's convenient to do this because mori was mira's best friend so he wants to do right by him you've got the assistants they have nothing else to do it's basically a ticket a meal ticket for them hakusensha they want to sell more volumes they know it's a big series and if it's over if it's ended they can keep making stuff with it and making money with it more so than if it's uh, uh, unfinished. So, I mean, everybody has an interest to try to keep it going and to do it this way is probably the cheapest way for them to do it. That says it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we don't have time to do the uh, full chapter review. Uh, I do want to close it out with one point of discussion for everybody. But let's talk about what might happen next, if you don't mind. Uh, I'd do think Guts has basically strayed from his level of confidence that he needs to do anything, mm. even stand up, to even look at his own sword. So something needs to, t- to happen to course correct Guts. What I don't think it's going to happen in the next episode. You know, I think it's going to be a long, not long, but you know, longish haul for to get him back to back, mm. back in the driver's seat. That being said, who on board can do or say anything to Guts to get him out of this kind of funk? <laughs> yeah. to make him think that. You know, he can do this. You know, it's possible. Like, my answer to that is Skull Knight. Uh, Because right now, Gus is thinking he can't possibly achieve his mission. And Skull Knight is someone who, uh, well, he may have had a hand in getting rid of those other four god hand. And beyond that, he's been around for a thousand years. Probably not because he's hopeless, you know. Mm. He's been trying things. He's been making his way through the world for a thousand years with the same mission. So I think if anybody could lend him some advice, I think it'd, it'd be Skull Knight. Yeah. Well, I think Shuriki, like I said earlier, the fact Shuriki is so Griff is up close and she saw the maelstrom and yeah. they have the gurus, they can talk it over. I feel, I feel like, you know, like on the magic level, they have a way to find a way to be like, okay, we can probably, if we do this and that, we can probably get it done. Uh, Skull Knight, of course, is also a possibility. I also do think that if they actually came across like some big threat and you know they managed to destroy it that would also bring guts back on his feet like, right like i said a member of the god hand i mean i know maybe that's too hopeful maybe it won't happen but at least that's something that being said i feel like the logical thing to do after the end of this chapter and possibly of fantasia uh, would be to cut to either a flashback of geyser x time or uh, Casca in the in Falconia. That was my thought as well. I felt like the this change in scenery would be a good place here. 
particularly to see how Casca's doing. Mm. Yeah, I yeah. thought I agreed that think you know uh, if they're going to do any sort of cut you know to start the next uh, chapter to Casca would make the most sense, but that might just be my own you know unease. Like I just want to see that Casca's okay. Like you know I still have those feelings yeah. about the characters. So <laughs> yeah, right. Same here. And you know, there's one thing is that if we were considering this seriously, if it was still Mira at the helm and so on, I'd be like, you know, what would be cool. If Casca was actually the one to escape, come back and tell Gus, what are you doing? You know, get back up and let's go. Let's let's fucking do it. Let's rescue our son. Or something oh, like that. Rule. That that would be pretty cool. You know, like a reverse situation where Casca's the one that's uh, saving him, you know, in uh, air quotes. Like, but, in the uh, meanwhile, like Guts has to be carried everywhere by five men. He's just yeah. dead weight. Totally he just, just Yeah, he becomes a bum and even even Isidro's disgusted with him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that'd be so sad. Yeah, it's it, I kinda have to start delineating between what I want and what I expect. That's a new kind of thing for me. Yeah. Yeah, it used to be the opposite where it was like, what I expect is gonna be actually much worse than what Mira surprises me mm-hmm. with. As much as I would absolutely love it, I think a Geyseric flashback would be just hoping for too much. Yeah. You're going you're gonna to hurt me putting such things out into the world like that. Sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm just... I was just going to say, it does hurt to think about because, you know, on one hand, I was thinking about uh, going back to Yis, you know, uh, Roderick's kingdom and stuff. And I was like, ah, oh, I don't think they're going to want to draw that. Yeah. yeah. And that, that might just be enough of a reason for them to skip it if it's not something that's explicitly mentioned so it's it's tough yeah yeah i mean it's a that's a problem with speculating they're, right they're gonna go somewhere with lots of backgrounds lots of trees yeah. lots of lots of, lots trees. of grass yeah. to fill in like you know what they're used to basically <laughs> yeah yeah and i mean and probably again i mean even if they did some things that took a long time i'm not sure i'd be very satisfied with it i'd, I'd prefer if we stuck to like Going as fast as we can, right to the end. I, it sounds crazy, but maybe not. The next episode opens, and they are on the mainland. Like, yeah. Wow, that was a long trip. Yeah. It sounds funny, but anything's possible at this point. I mean, that, what? So what I expect is we we cut to Casca in Falconia, and like uh, I don't know, three episodes later, or maybe two, or maybe one. It's yeah, them on the mainland or something. Maybe there'll be one on the ship in the in between, but. I would not be surprised if we cut and they are on the mainland and Roderick is like, I'll go back to my country, but uh, I'll, I'll be back with help later. Peace. See ya. Yeah. And it turned it. out getting rid of all that cargo really lightened up the ship. Yeah, yeah it goes really fast now. <laughs> Three months yeah. later, you know, it's gonna, it, it could be like that. It could be uh, Casca in, or even not, maybe not, you know, but uh, yeah, time passes, this and that happens, blah, blah, blah. Let's just get it done. Mm-hmm. That said, they did they did say that they had some notes and designs from Mira, so I do expect them to to like to show some stuff. It's not going to be just them on the continent. Oh, we walk in the forest for two days. Hey, Rickert, what are you doing here? We walk some more. Mm-hmm. Oh, now we're in Falconia. Let's. I, I think it's going to be a little more complex than that. Uh, I, I don't think like it's ending in. in this would actually though. make sense for like stuff you would have already done concepts for, since it's you know old material rather than future stuff. You know, we we never saw it, but it was something he already invented. Yeah, and and that's also why I thought about the flashback with Geyseric because like when I'm thinking about new designs, 
And given that we saw uh, recently the the little glimpse of the Geyser X, uh, I mean, the eclipse that cost him his life, you're like, okay, yeah, probably Mira's got somewhere some sketches of Geyser X as a human, Void as a human, and some ideas about what happened a thousand years ago. That's probably stuff he's got, he's had down for like 10 years or so. Sure. I'm just not willing to believe it's in the realm of, you know, reality for that to then be written into this particular continuation because they seem to be adhering so close to the bone of just moving things forward to the finish line yeah. that I, maybe, maybe they would see that as a divergence or, a, you know, why, why focus on the past when we could focus on, you know, getting to Falconia. Might, might also, it might also have some explanations to beat the God hands this time. I mean, naturally, that's what I would have expected from Mira, that a, a key from the past to spell out what happens in the future. Absolutely. And I mean, yeah, I, I agree with what you say. I agree with what everybody's saying. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's just ideas, but uh, sure. yeah. Also, they might, one thing we should maybe talk about is that they might switch gears a bit uh, with a new arc. Uh, oh, yeah. That's a hope I actually have faith in, that they'll change up the format a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder. I'm not so sure, but yeah, I also hope so. Okay, I guess that's it, guys. Uh, thanks for tuning in to uh, episode 135. We, we will not be back for a episode review next week, sex month, excuse me, because they're taking um, one month off. They'll be back with episode 371. I think it's December, I don't know, early December, I think it is, 9th, something like that. Mm-hmm. So we'll be back for then for 371, but before then, we will probably pick up, I'm going to guess, Volume 29's reread on this podcast, if not that whole chapter review uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. So look forward to that in a month. That'd be good as a chapter review. Yeah. Awesome. All right. See ya. See ya. Thanks, Later. guys. Bye bye. The Skullcast is a production of Skullnight.net, a Berserk fan community that's been around since 2000. If you liked what you heard and want to give back a little bit, then check out patreon.com sknet, where you can donate to our resident translator, Puela, who's been translating all sorts of Berserk things, including all the episode translations that you may know of from Skullnight.net, as well as things like the tributes to Kentaro Miura, and recently, the interview that's at the back end of the Big Berserk Exhibition art book, also known as the Catalog, that just kicked off this past month. The first page or so are done now. Definitely go check that out if you're interested. It's the last Miura interview available. Pretty incredible. Once again, that's at patreon.com sknet. And if you don't know about our forum... Go check it out for more than 20 years of discussions about all of Berserk's episodes. That's over at skullknight.net slash forum.